You may ask, how did this tradition get started? I'll tell you. I don't know. But it's a tradition. And because of our traditions, every one of us knows who he is and what God expects him to do. Hello everyone and welcome to Let's Talk Torah. I am Rabbi Tzvi Jacobson with NM Streamcast and we'll spend our time talking Torah, learning stuff and having fun while we learn. You can always send your questions and comments to our mailbag at letstalktorah.gmail.com and of course I will answer as many as I can. So we're up to part two. So if you didn't hear part one, you got to go back to the show before. If you want to come in in the middle of the story because you don't have patience to listen to a whole story, then just start with part two. It's like in my car. I have one of these CDs that tells over the Purim story, but there's two CDs. So the first CD could be going for a few days. The next CD goes for a few days. And then the kids just decide which CD, which part of the story they want to hear. But anyways, so we spoke in the last show about the first two chapters um, where God has put everything into place. We have Esther as queen. We have Mordechai is an officer in the king's gate. And Haman now becomes prime minister. Everyone's supposed to bow down to Haman. Haman um, is a pretty vain person. And when he sees that Mordechai, the Jew, refuses to bow down, he goes crazy. He becomes incensed. He, he's obviously not thinking rationally. Because, first of all, who cares? He's a bug. So a bug, you're the prime minister. A bug doesn't want to bow down to you, and you don't like it? So kill him. You're the prime minister. For some strange reason, that's not good enough for Haman. Now, it's possible that it's not good enough because Haman wanted an excuse. Haman is descended from Amalek. Amalek was that nation that started up with the Jewish people when we left Egypt. So it's sort of a, in it's sort of internal uh, to a or intrinsic to a to an Amaleki that he hates all Jews and if he has an excuse and he's in power, he'll wipe us all out. Haman is now going to use this hatred towards the Jewish people, this excuse that Mordechai is not bowing down as his way to say, okay. You Jews deserve to be destroyed. Now, it may also be helpful that Haman, who's Prime Minister Ahasuerus, and as far as Ahasuerus is concerned, the 70 years is up. If you don't know what I'm talking about, again, check out the last show. We spent time working on it before. So the God already has forsaken the Jewish people, so this is an opportune time to go after the Jewish people. So feels Ahasuerus, so feels Haman. Okay. So Haman looks for a date. Again, we talked about this um, in the last show. He's looking for first for a good month to destroy the Jewish people and then for a good day. Now, God sets it up, right? In other words, if you wanted a good day to destroy the Jewish people, you should look for the ninth day of Av when the temple is destroyed. Yeah, you should look for the 17th of Tammuz where the, the, uh, the temple or the walls of Jerusalem were surrounded. These are days that are in our, in our history. These are not good days. For some reason, a Haman, not for some reason, God did not want Haman to use those days. God makes sure that Haman is convinced that he's picking an opportune time 
to destroy the Jews, while in truth he picked an opportune time for us, a time for the Jewish people where we would not be destroyed because it's a good month. Fine. He gets the month, he gets everything set up. Interesting enough, Haman decides he's going to annihilate the Jewish people in one day. One day. One day? The Russian army now has been, you know, trying to overrun these Ukrainian cities. They're on day seven, and and they're, they're nowhere close to doing anything. I mean, they're bombing things to smithereens, right? But, but they're not really close. So what exactly is Haman thinking? Now again, that we discussed, there's nowhere for the Jewish people to run. And Haman is convinced, probably rightfully so, that the whole world will gang up on the Jewish people. They have nowhere to run. Everybody will kill Jews all over the place. You could do it in one day. Perhaps. That was his thought process. Perhaps. So he goes to the king. And the language of the Megillah is a little bit um, very general. There's a nation. The king doesn't need them. I'm going to give you 10,000 silver lows to make up for any taxes you're losing out on. But these people... Eh, they're just going to be a thorn in your side. Just get rid of them. They're not good for you. And in the Megillah itself, it doesn't really sound like Ahasuerus has any problem. Like, it's like another, you know, agenda item. Like, he doesn't really ask too many questions. He doesn't really care. Um, he's trusting his prime minister. The likelihood is, and that's what many commentaries say, that um, Ahasuerus knew what was going on. It was an easy conversation. They knew he's not a fool. He's the king. But the Megillah is written in Persia. When we wrote the Megillah, when Esther Mardachai will write the story down um, for all of us to be able to read every year, we weren't in Israel where we were in control. We're still spread out all over Persia. You, you can't just go ahead and write a story that puts the king in a bad light. So there's just no way. So therefore, certain things have to be hinted at. And either you know what's going on or you don't know what's going on. If you don't know what's going on, then fine. You're, you're from the Persians. You're not the king getting insulted. Um, if you're Jewish and you know what's going on, so you know what's going on. That's how it's written. But in any case, he goes to the king, and the king takes off his signet ring and says, do whatever you feel is best. You have my ring. You're in control. You can write letters, no problem. Now, this is taking place, um, it would seem a day or two before the holiday of Passover. A day or two before the holiday of Passover. And it happened to have been a leap year that year coming up. So there's really a full year till anything's going to happen. And Haman writes letters. It will be announced that uh, on the 13th day of Adar, a certain nation will be um, wiped out, will be destroyed from the entire kingdom, um, it could be it said in the letter who the nation was, but it wasn't supposed to be revealed till then. Um, in any case, the the way the letter was written, and always you got to wait. Because everyone's supposed to wait. Now, we talked in the last show, again, if you're not up to the story, you got to go back. This is not the first letter, the first decree that Ahasuerus has sent out to the world. The first decree said that every wife has to honor her husband, right? Which, again, in those days was a ridiculous letter. And nowadays would be laughed at also for a different reason. But again, we talked about that. So um, so just because this king sends out a letter does not mean everybody jumps to do exactly what the... In other words, 
if there was no first letter and a new letter comes out and says, you know, in a year from now, it's open season on Jews, they'll just start killing them now because, like, why not? Right? Like, what's to stop me? But the fact that the king can send out, send out such a ridiculous first letter tells everybody, you know, let's, let's just wait because who knows what the next letter will be. So therefore, it's not open season yet. Meanwhile, Esther's in the palace, and she has no idea what's going on. She's in the palace, the queen. No one's telling her the, the news. Obviously, when the letters go out, people start to hear about it. But why should she hear about it? So Mordechai gets wind of what's going on. He sees one of the letters, and uh, he puts on sackcloth, makes it apparent that Esther has to get in touch with him to find out what's going on. Esther sends him the royal clothes. He won't put them on. So she has a go-between. And Mordechai tells Esther, you have to go to the king. Right? You're in a position to save the king. So Esther says, look, it's not a good time. The king hasn't called me for a month. You know he's going to call me any day. He's been busy. He'll miss me. He'll call me in a day or two, or in a week, or two weeks. We got to hear. What's the rush? Which is an interesting thought, right? Now, it's, you want me to put my life in danger to go to the king's um, private throne room without being summoned? You're dead before you walk in. So... You want me to put myself in danger when we have a whole year ahead of us? Doesn't make sense. Now, Mordechai's answer is fascinating. Mordechai says, no, you got to go now. You got to go now. As soon as we start waiting and delaying, and then Mordechai says to her, and this must be the clincher, he says, look, Esther, you don't have to go. God is going to save the Jewish people. It's probably going to be through you. But if you don't feel like like going and taking care of it immediately, God has other ways. You think you can hide in the palace. You're not hiding in the palace. You are not safe. No one is safe. So either you take care of it immediately, act, or we're done. And God has to find a different way, and your family will be lost for eternity. How did Mordechai exactly know that you can say it's worth putting your life in danger. So it's it would seem it's an attitude. In other words, we don't push things off. There has to be a plan. God set this up. He wants us to act. As soon as you start delaying tactics, maybe tomorrow, maybe next week, Tuesday, I have to look at my schedule, you know, I have a vacation and the kids. As soon as you start looking for for excuses to not do it immediately, it's not happening. And that clearly is what Mordechai felt. So once Esther hears that from Mordechai that she has to act immediately, she doesn't really act immediately. She tells Mordechai, no problem. I'm in. Tell everyone they have to fast for three days. Get the whole Jewish people. Obviously, it's not the whole Jewish nation there. They can't send out an email to everybody or a text, right? Get all the Jews in Shushan. They have to fast for me for three days. I'm also going to fast for three days and three nights. Then I'll go to the king. So what happened to acting right away? I thought you're supposed to go immediately. So the answer is, even when you have to go immediately, you have to make preparations. In Esther's case, the, the immediate plans are to pray. 
Right? For if we want to do something, we want God's help, you got to pray. So this really takes us back. We were talking about what did the Jewish people did wrong. So some say what they did wrong was they benefited from the party of that seven-day party that Achashverosh made. What's wrong with going to a king's party? Because that party was Achashverosh's way of saying that the Jews are never going back. God's removed himself from the Jews. The Jews are never going back. And uh, I can be king forever or whatever forever means. And God's not going to take away my kingdom because he doesn't care about the Jews anymore. And we went to that party. So we went to a party where Ahasuerus is saying that God doesn't care about the Jews. So God is telling the Jewish people, you're going to pray to me. You're going to cry and beg and plead. You're gonna, you, you need to do an action to show that, that going to that party was a mistake. Right? That you can't do anything to show that God's leaving us because God's not leaving you. But when you make it look like um, God's leaving you, then God's going to make it that you got to come back and say, God, I'm really sorry. I made a mistake. I'm sorry. Fasting three days is a good way to start doing that. So now, and not only that, right? In other words, they felt that this was a life and death situation immediate because by fasting three days and three nights, it's Passover. They're not going to eat matzah. They're not going to do some of the commands of the of the Passover night of, uh, of everything we do, which one of those things is eating matzah. So, and that the Torah says to eat matzah. So you went ahead and you, you, you are saying that we have to act on this immediately. Acting on this immediately means we have to pray and fast. But that means that we're not going to do other commands in the Torah. That's an amazing um, statement that Mordechai and Esther are making, and Mordechai agrees. He agrees. On the third day, while Esther is still fasting, so now she's going to go to the king. She still has not been called. She goes to the king, and the Talmud says, very interesting, Um, three angels came to help out Esther. Um, one one made the king's neck very tall. I guess the way the throne room was situated, he would not see Esther right away. And if he doesn't see her right away and he doesn't stretch out the scepter, then uh, she'll get killed. She won't be able to get in. It's not going to happen. So first he has to see her. And then God makes it an extra uh, charisma. I don't even know what word to use for it. An extra chain is a Jewish word. right? And I, and I was... Everyone who sees Esther said loves her, but now there's like this extra, you know, uh, aura coming out from her, whatever we want to call it. So again, the king will see her, even though he's going to be angry, even though the king could be angry or is angry that you're coming to my throne room, throne room without permission, but he automatically has this extra good feeling towards her, and therefore the anger will, will, will just disappear. And the third thing is, the third miracle is his scepter is going to stretch very, very long. Why was it necessary? Who cares? Um, If he puts out the scepter, everybody understands. She can go touch the scepter, right? Why does he have to do a miracle to make it so long? So so it's really a message to Achishverosh, right? And I was... It's obvious it's a miracle. If my scepter is stretching, then something is going on here, right? God is doing a miracle. This is my idols don't do this miracle. So God is saying, I'm in control over here. You're starting it with the Jewish people. I'm showing you a miracle 
You better stop this nonsense. So, the scepter is stretched out. Esther walks in. The king has this extra love towards her. Stretches out the scepter. Miracle, the scepter stretches very far. Esther comes. Now the king is not a fool. You risked your life to come talk to me. And God did some miracle for you. So obviously there's something massively important. You could have waited. You could have sent a message. Can I have a private meeting with the king? Instead, you came to meet me in, in a way that you were risking your life. Now maybe she wanted to send a note. Maybe she thought it would be intercepted. It doesn't matter. But you risked your life. What could be so important? So the king understands it's obviously this is something that's life-shattering. So he says, you can have whatever you want. I'll give you half the kingdom. Up to half the kingdom, Esther, and it's yours. Name your price. Whatever you want, Esther, I am going to take care of you. You have nothing to worry about. So interesting enough, so Esther says, I want a private party with you and Haman. Oh, private party with Haman? Hmm. Okay. The Talmud asks, what was Esther thinking? Like, why does she want a private party with Ahasuerus and Haman? What, what is the purpose of this private party? So there's multiple answers, and interesting enough, one of the uh, one of the great rabbis in the time of the Talmud bumps into Elijah the prophet and says, which answer is correct? And he says, they're all correct. Um, but they're basically all in one certain focus. Having Haman around means if she can convince the king to kill Haman, we don't got to look for him. king won't have time to change his mind. Maybe the king will think that Haman and Esther are planning to, to, to uh, take his kingdom, so he'll kill both of them. And there's a rule, if, uh, if the person who set up a, um, a decree dies, the decree is null and void. Um, she'll also make sure when the Jewish people are praying, if the Jewish people think, what I got to pray so hard for? The queen is Jewish. She'll, she'll take care of us. Nothing to worry about. No. She invited Haman to the party. Oh, forget about it. She's already on their side. She's not going to help us. We can only rely on God, which is, again, that's part of the concept of prayer. If we understand that it's only God can help us, then uh, that that's prayer. As soon as we think, yeah, I need God's help, but really, really, somebody else can help me out, then that's not prayer. Um, so again, there's, she's uh, another one of the reasons I like is, um, it's like a roller coaster that Esther understands that Haman has to get a certain level of reward. Now the greatest reward for somebody like Haman, when you're super wealthy, you don't need any more money, 10 billion, 20 billion, 30 billion, a hundred billion. What's the difference, right? Once, once you're so wealthy, the money is completely valueless because anything you want you can get we told the story about that with Bill Gates last week so what does a wealthy person have honor so Esther figures if I get Haman to the top to the top of the honor he's supposed to receive then God will say okay Haman you're done and now we're on the way down on the roller coaster but nothing happens by the party so Esther figures okay like Obviously, I need another day. Now, in truth, um, Esther was really right. In other words, this party has created enough problems that Haman is now finished. But Esther doesn't know that. 
So therefore, when Ahasuerus says to Esther by the party, okay, you risked your life. You asked for a private party with me and Haman. You haven't asked for anything. We're sitting around, we're drinking, we're having what to eat, uh, nice uh, chit-chat. What do you want? You risked your life. So Esther says, I'll tell you what, Your Majesty. I'll tell you everything you want to know tomorrow. I want one more party. I'm not ready today. Tomorrow will be the day. Okay. So Haman walks out of this party, top of the world. In, in his mind, right, not only is he the prime minister, the queen invites him to a private party once, invites him to a second private party. I mean, this is like, he's it. He's on top of the world, which is why he's about to come crashing down. And you can't have a greater honor. Right? Again, there's nothing that's going to top this. He walks out of Ahasuerus' palace, Mordechai's by the king's gate, and he doesn't stand, he doesn't bow down to Haman. Haman can't handle it. Again, it's interesting. You would think just take out a sword and kill him on the spot. Maybe there was some law against it. I don't know. But Haman cannot handle that Mordechai is not bowing down. He can't handle it. Which, again, is amazing, right? Yeah, you're all the way on top, and you can't handle that Mordechai is not bowing down, like, he's a bug, who cares? He goes home, and he has to ask his wife for advice, which, again, is interesting. His wife, obviously, was a smart lady, and he felt it necessary to ask her for advice. So she tells him, build a gallows, make it really tall, 100 feet tall, because if it's really tall, when you go to the private party tomorrow, you'll see Mordechai swinging on it, while you're sitting down and eating. For you, it can't be anything better. So build this gallows and go tomorrow morning. Tomorrow morning, go to the king. Haman loves that idea. Tomorrow morning, amazing. But Haman didn't really listen to his wife's advice. His wife says, go tomorrow morning. You'll tell the king that this guy Mordechai, he's rebellious, he... he doesn't believe in our gods, he prays to his god, he'll tell the king something, the king will listen to you and he'll uh, he'll order Mordechai to be hung, and you will go to the party as one happy guy. Haman says, amazing, I'm in. They build the gallows, but Haman can't hold himself back. Haman feels, I gotta go to the king now, the middle of the night. Like, what is Haman thinking? You know, I don't like when people knock on my door at 11 o'clock at night. Call me 12 o'clock at night. You know, I'm going to sleep then. I like to sleep at night at least. I like to wake up early. I like to go to sleep early. Don't, don't be knocking on my door at 11 o'clock at night unless it's some amazing emergency. You're going to see the king in the middle of the night? It's just bad timing. But Haman is not thinking. And God is pulling all the strings. And the Jewish people are praying. And Ahasuerus can't fall asleep. Ahasuerus has problems because, and some say the angels were, 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 were harassing Ahasuerus. You could just say his own mind was making him crazy. It doesn't really matter how you want to look at the story. But Ahasuerus can't sleep. He says something's wrong. I'm missing something in the story. Esther risks her life to invite Haman to a private party. And if that weren't enough, she doesn't ask me for anything. 
She makes another party, private party with Haman. Seems something is wrong here in the kingdom, and I'm not getting it. Perhaps Esther and Haman actually want to execute me. They want to, they want to take my throne. I don't know what kind of plans this Esther has. So in those days, um, one of the great ways that the king had to find out if there was an insurgency is you pay people. Of course, you have spies. You pay them. So anybody who comes and rats out somebody else is going to be paid uh, quite well. And here comes the music. I thought we were going to get through the Purim story in part one and part two. We did not even complete maybe a little more than halfway. So we're going to have to wait till next week. And we're going to have to finish the story next week, we hope. So the music is playing. Hope you enjoyed it. Certain sweet. Thank you, of course, to all the wonderful sponsors. Listen, you know, I can't do it without you. Thank the wonderful production team. We have David and Andy in the back. And we'll have to use it with some food for thought. Until next time, I am Rabbi Sweet Jacobson. You've been listening to Let's Talk Torah on NRM Streamcast. Until next week, don't forget to think about it. There's a house.